This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury and this is Matt Splained. We're entering the Mattaverse today. It's a bit like the internet, but it's all about Matt. By Matt, from Matt, and for Matt. And if that sounds like your cup of tea, um, I guess you're in for an interesting half an hour or so. Hey, Rich. Well, um, before we get to uh, that interesting stuff, by which I mean mm. me, um, uh, last week we put out an episode uh, about Twitter. We which, did. Yeah, despite the fact that we recorded it about 16 hours before it aired, it still managed to be out of date by the time it came out. Um, So since that episode uh, came out, just as a a quick update, um, Musk has sent a letter to his remaining employees telling uh, them that uh, it's not inconceivable that the company will file for bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, we should point out that that isn't necessarily as dire as it sounds because certain types of bankruptcy filings in the US are actually more about giving companies time to restructure and renegotiate their debts than they are about, you know, liquidation. So we don't know if Musk means that the company could be headed for restructuring that kind of bankruptcy or administration. Um, When we look at the collapse of FTX, the crypto exchange, which recently filed for bankruptcy, that is in administration. It Mm -hmm. is illiquid. The company has been replaced by, or the CEO rather, has been replaced by a company that's uh, been brought in to salvage as many assets as possible. So we don't know if that's what will happen with Twitter. Um, But Twitter also laid off uh, 80% of its contract staff. Um, That's about over 4,000 workers. Uh, That's in addition to the 50% of its permanent staff that it let go the week before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also had to suspend the Twitter blue service, so selling the blue check mark, because uh, surprise, surprise, as we predicted, uh, <laughs> subscribers were impersonating other people and using the blue tick as authentication. You can go and search out the kind of best examples of that. Uh, there was the example of a um, an account posing as Nintendo that had uh, Super Mario giving everyone the finger. Um, there was a, another one that purported to be uh, Chiquita, the banana company that put out a message saying, we've just invaded Brazil. Um, <laughs> so there was all kinds of fun going on with this before it was uh, uh, suspended. Um, And this is my um, favorite one. So after telling uh, all the employees that the company might go into bankruptcy, um, Musk then gave employees a deadline, uh, which uh, I think is Thursday, the day we recorded this show. So gave them a deadline to commit to working long hours at high intensity and to be extremely hardcore. Um, He then kind of ran counter to that as regards himself um, because he said he would eventually reduce his own time at Twitter and perhaps even hand the reins to another CEO. This was Mm -hmm. during a cross-examination in a court case relating to his pay package at Tesla, uh, which hands him a potential 50 billion US dollars, but doesn't actually require him to work full time. Um, Now, the response to all of this intensity of purpose and, you know, chasms of chaos, Um, even more advertisers, even some of the big media buying agencies have 
also pause spending on the platform. They're adopting this wait and see approach to to see what the platform morphs into. Um, of course, this further threatens a platform that's reliant on advertising for ninety percent of its uh, revenues. So, some commentators this week have been talking about the platform as going into a, a death spiral where it hemorrhages its key influencers and its advertisers. So, yeah, Twitter just keeps on giving. And of course, this update will probably be completely out of date by the time you hear it, um, which will be Friday morning. So, uh, okay, um, Birdieverse to the uh, uh, Metaverse. Um, I'm going to ask you the question, Richard. What yes. is the Metaverse? Okay. Um, interesting you asked that. Um, I, I get asked this a lot and I have a bunch of different responses. Depends. So in futurism and science fiction, the metaverse is this hypothetical iteration of the internet as a single, universal, immersive virtual world facilitated by the use of virtual reality and uh, augmented reality headsets. Number one, colloquially, it's a network of 3D virtual worlds focused on social connection. And finally, for people like Mark Zuckerberg, it's the future of the internet, or it's a video game, or it's a deeply uncomfortable worse version of Zoom. It's kind of hard to say, really. <laughs> um, now, the, the, the point of putting Richard on the spot like that is not to determine whether he's wrong or right. Um, I thought uh, I covered all bases there, Matt. You, I thought you I did. did, yeah. So, right. you know, some of those things I agree with, some of those things I don't disagree with. Um, but yeah, it, it's, you know, everyone you ask has a different response to what they think the metaverse is. So it's not, mm. it's not strange that you have three different responses to that. <laughs> um, but that lack of any kind of, um, you know, consensus yeah. makes discussing the metaverse really hard, uh, uh -huh. because not only do people think it's different things, they want it to be different things, as you pointed right. out with Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. So I guess the first question is really not what the metaverse is, but does the metaverse exist? Because if the metaverse exists, then we have a model. So we can try and define it based on that model, right? Mm -hmm. So does the metaverse exist? Well, as you pointed out, yes and no. Um <laughs> There are a lot of things, uh, especially games, that call themselves metaverses. Yeah. Or they say that they're a small part of a larger metaverse system. Um, as you were saying, facilitating, um, you know, being part of a, an ecosystem or, or whatever. The important part here, I think, is to understand that the metaverse is not a single thing. That unified idea from science fiction that you mentioned it's more of an umbrella term for a bunch of different web-based technologies. And mm. it's really the convergence of those different elements that is creating these kind of new and interesting ways to navigate and experience the web. So where we get derailed is when we try to think about the metaverse as that single unified thing, as that right. entity. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit like discussions about all the blockchain-related products that have been labeled Web3, mm -hmm. uh, and which are also increasingly being labeled as metaverse or metaverse adjacent. So this quickly becomes a topic that can seem so broad that it becomes impenetrable. So more questions. Um, so 
you know, what are the things that the metaverse is made up of? I feel like I'm being put on the spot by a teacher, and it also sounds like you're about to do a Mary Poppins song. What, like, these are a few of my favourite things. Yeah. Um, VR and blockchain and meetings in spaces, crypto and DeFi and avatar faces. Um, Stop. No. <laughs> yeah, that's enough of that. Um, but, yeah, you know, what can we think of as metaverse technologies? As you mentioned, there's virtual reality and there's augmented reality. Mm. Um, there's blockchain and there's wallets covering everything from ID and verification to almost frictionless payment uh, transactions or payment systems. Uh, open world platforms that cover everything from productivity solutions to gaming and entertainment. Now, we don't have to talk about any of these technologies in detail, at least not in this episode, any and all of those technologies have been labeled as metaverse technologies. Yeah. But really, as I said, they only become interesting once they start to converge because virtual reality is only cool if you have a compelling use for it. Um, blockchain as well is more than just an infrastructure for, you know, the pump and dump tech bros. So, Today, the task is to take all of these enormous and complicated technologies and try and simplify them uh, to create a, a vision that is more concerned with what they do rather than maybe how they work. You know, we only got half an hour, right? I do. Yeah. All right. I'm trying. Um, with that in mind, then, what's Matt's top number one tip uh, for understanding the metaverse? Well, you touched on it as well. So I think the easiest way to think about the metaverse is just to think about it as the internet. So I've kind of stopped thinking about things like metaverse or Web3 in terms of those labels, because I don't think it's useful. Uh, and I don't think that it's something that's even relevant at that consumer or user level, because whatever changes may be made under the hood at that consumer level, the metaverse is just the internet. It's right. what the web will become and it's how the web will work in the future. So this is where we go back to, to history. Um, and it's kind of important to do that because it explains why we should think about this as just the internet. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, do we think about our current internet, the services and solutions and apps as web 2.0? No. I mean, of course mm, we mm. don't. It's just the internet. It was the internet in 1996 when we thought GeoCities was cool. Mm. It was the internet in 2003 when we thought MySpace was cool. Mm. So Web 2.0 may have been a huge advance on you know, the first version of the web, but most of us never really interacted or cared about those semantics. It was a much simpler response. Our reaction was, yay, we've got apps or yay, <laughs> we've got e-commerce. Uh -huh. um, you know, the fact that the internet of things and the internet of AOL are fundamentally different things doesn't matter to us at the user level because we don't care about that engineering layer. We mm. want what it does. We don't really care how it gets there. But hasn't that um, sense of separation or lack of understanding of that technology led to the kind of instability we are seeing in the crypto markets. If, if people knew more, wouldn't uh, then they be equipped to make smarter decisions? And, and I mean, I totally understand that argument, but what we're seeing in, say, the crypto space really isn't so different from the Florida real estate boom 
that happened a hundred years ago. Um, right. Those those were classic pump and dump schemes too. Not that all crypto or DeFi or blockchain related tools are pump and dump. You know, far from it. Um, but during the the Florida real estate boom, people bought parcels of swampland on the basis that it would be developed and turned into commercial real estate. Um, but ultimately, it was just tracts of swampland. And that contributed to the Wall Street crash of the late 1920s. Uh, people paying huge premiums for worthless land based on a speculative bubble. Uh, and we've seen similar property booms in recent decades. People investing in property without understanding that one, markets go down as well as up, and mm -hmm. that mortgage rates also go up. So if the market goes down and your mortgage rates go up, you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Uh, it's not always about information or understanding. It's sometimes, you know, that simple seduction of the bubble. Yeah. Um, and even you may, you know, a lot of people know it's a bubble. They just hope that they'll be able to get in and get out before it crashes. So it's the herd mentality. It's following the herd. So the issue isn't as much about the complexity of digital products because traditional financial instruments can be demonically complicated, um, which is why most traditional investors have an advisor or a broker, because market watching and market understanding are actually full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. So your argument then is that we don't have enough time to understand the internet? Well, sort of. I think it's more that we don't have to understand it to use it. And I've used this analogy on the show before. How many of us really understand how electricity works? Mm. Um, you know, there are so many daily essentials in our lives that we only have this passing understanding of. Is that a good thing? Well, I'd argue that no, it isn't, but that's just the reality of things. We mm -hmm. didn't understand web 1.0. We don't understand web 2.0. Most of us have no idea how the internet works. So why expect us to understand the metaverse or whatever the web turns into. Mm -hmm. We want to know what the metaverse will do for us. We're not that concerned about how it does it. Mm. Uh, you know, it didn't matter to us when a website made the leap from web 1.0 to web 2.0. As consumers to us, it's just the internet. All we really want for these evolutions is to make that internet experience better. And I think that's really all the metaverse will be to most people it will be that better internet, uh, which brings us, of course, to the next raft of questions. You know, how will it be better? Um, from my perspective, the more interesting question is whom it's going to be better for. Um, but first things first, why will the metaverse be a better internet? Can we just stick with the basics first? You know, um, what can people expect in terms of better web experiences from uh, a metaverse? Well, of course, a lot of this is conjecture because I said, by and large, the metaverse doesn't exist yet. So when you go to something that's labeled a metaverse today, it probably isn't going to be the experience that you'll get when we have, you know, the full flavor metaverse. Mm. Um, as you mentioned earlier, probably that experience you have now will be some kind of virtual reality or, or augmented reality experience, yeah. uh, or you'll be playing a streamed game and there are NFTs and other stuff that you can 
buy or earn. Uh, it could even be a real world experience, you know, such as going to an exhibition and there are augmented reality layers adding video or information to a particular installation. And, and it could even be those frictionless transactions, uh, decentralized transactions that don't require a clearinghouse or, you know, accessing credit or loans without going through banks. Uh, it might even be digital land and other assets that become as valuable as those, you know, uh, tracts of Florida swampland. Um, we could be looking at changes to the way we work, you know, replacing in-person offices with virtual desks. And, you know, the same for education, going online into these virtual spaces um, for further education purposes. And of course, you know, the ability to access all manner of government services in these kind of virtual and online environments. And holograms. Well, yeah, I mean, oh, holograms is... You know, it's a huge part of the problem. Um, yeah. And that really is the fault of Star Wars, as far as I can <laughs> see. Um, you know, the, holograms are such a hollow experience. You know, they, they, they truly are the flying car of computing. They're the thing that everyone thinks they want and would really hate if they actually had it. All because George Lucas made a, a, a weenie Princess Leia pop out of a droid and invented, you know, 3D hologram chess. Uh, I mean... You know, Im imagine, for example, a hologram doctor consultation. Now, I know telemedicine is is huge and there's immense value in developing that se uh, sector either within or outside of the metaverse. But how horrific for a doctor if you hologram up because you have a rash on your rump. I mean, imagine that appearing in the middle of his room. So after the break, we'll look at some of the more structural aspects of the metaverse. Uh, and if there's time, we'll have a look at what some of the leading companies are doing to create the visions of the metaverse. But I've got a feeling that we'll probably have to wait until next week. Well, on the back end of that, when we come <laughs> back, the metaverse... Uh, sorry, the Matter version 2. Uh, we'll be right back here on Matt Splained on BFM 89.9. Binge-friendly movies. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is Matt Splained, and we're back in the metaverse again today. Um, let's go over one of the fundamental uh, misconceptions that people have about the metaverse, which is, uh, I guess, how it will look and, and how it works. Um, but I suppose the, the, the bigger question is, is, will it be one metaverse or multiple metaverses? See, yeah. sirs, sees. I, I don't know. No. So it's so again, it's that singularity argument. Mm. And, and this is why it's so hard to explain to people. If you don't have a real idea or conception of what a metaverse is, what it looks like, how it operates, then that idea, is it one multiverse or lots of them, doesn't make any sense either. It's just right. so much noise. Uh, which is why I think it's a lot more helpful to go back to the idea of thinking about the metaverse as an updated part of the internet. Mm -hmm. uh, on the current versions of the web and internet, we have all these individual and intermeshed actors chained together. Uh, the layer that we usually interact with is 
the web. This is essentially yeah. all the, the visible components of the internet, you know, the listed content that you can access, uh, access via your browser or through a Google search. Now, that web is built on top of the internet, which is that much wider and deeper network that includes all the stuff you don't see, like the company servers uh, and the infrastructure that serves up the sites that you see when, when you type in www. And the internet, all that unlisted content, is way, way bigger than the visible web that we interact mm -hmm. with. So when we think about what a metaverse-enabled internet will be, you know, it will be like our current web with multiple entities, which I know isn't particularly helpful either. Okay, we can talk about interoperability in, in a minute. Um, but moving from one metaverse to another, can we clear up one of the major issues people have with understanding the concept of, of meta? Yeah, so I think this is a, a deliberate I don't know if obfuscation um, is the right word by the company that was formerly known as Facebook, but certainly uh, an attempt to hijack mm. the conversation. So we'll delve more deeply into what Meta is actually doing and working on next week. Uh, we should point out that Mark Zuckerberg has had to do a, a bit of uh, public about facing over the past few weeks. So he's spent over $80 billion on the uh, company's metaverse uh, development. Um, that's nearly two Twitters, by the way, which I'm hoping will be adopted as a, a, un, uh, a unit of measurement. Um, <laughs> so Mark Zuckerberg has slashed around 11,000 of the company's work uh, workforce uh, in the last week. Uh, so his vision was to transform the social network into this metaverse giant, that singularity mm. that we mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, you'd log on to Facebook with your avatar or identity and your web experience would start from there. So in that kind of version of the metaverse, everything sits under Meta's umbrella. So the places you hang out in, the shopping spaces, the games you play, even where you go to work or go to school, you know, it is a bit like that ready player one sci-fi movie model. Yeah. You have a, a single simple login and you access everything from there. Now, to some people, that's the utopian vision of a unified metaverse experience. Uh, to other people, that's the dystopian vision. Uh, now, the argument that it's utopian often comes from the people who stand to benefit the most from that model. But you can think of it a bit like a, a traditional economy. Um, and we'll separate it from meta. So for argument's sake, we'll call the owner of this digital world Matt, and we will call it the Matterverse, and that's Matter, M-A-T-T-E-R, for people who thankfully can't see inside my head. You're quite a fan of uh, telling people to be Matter, don't you? Aren't you? Well, I'm not going to say no. I mean, telling people they're not Matter enough would be fun. You know, hey, Jeff Bezos, be more Matter. I could get like that. It's kind of like a Bill and Ted thing. Um <laughs> Anyway, uh, vast and hugely inconsequential egos aside, um, let's say that you go to work in the metaverse every day. So the mm -hmm. chances are your company will be paying some kind of rent for the digital services it uses and the service uh, service space that it occupies. They probably won't be paying me as the owner of the metaverse. They'll be paying a third party, uh, and that's you know 
the same as we see in the real world, in the same mm. way that you might be paying the rent on a physical property to the owner of that unit rather than to the owner of the building. So the same when you play a game or you buy your own virtual space or hang out, shop, have fun in the metaverse. A portion of all those transactions, which will probably be denominated in my proprietary culture coins, a portion of all those transactions filter back to me. So I'm the ultimate beneficiary. In exchange for providing the metaverse, I charge rent, I earn transaction fees, and I potentially levy property and other taxes. So I am a full-fledged digital economy, which is exactly why people don't like the idea of a unified metaverse. Mm -hmm. And we also have to note that Facebook isn't the only company looking to imprint uh, its vision of the metaverse on our future. But how does this differ from uh, game economies? Uh, World of Warcraft, for example, they've been charging people forever for in-world items. Yeah, that's why I'm saying it's better to think about this as an evolution of the internet. So when you look at all the component parts individually, nothing about the metaverse is intrinsically novel. The power comes from that convergence mm. in the same way that apps turbocharged our smartphones. You know, without apps, our phones are just really powerful email and browsing tools. Uh, you know, it's probably nearly 15 years since I talked to the founders of Second Life, which was a, a, a proto-metaverse of the noughties. Mm -hmm. uh, companies like Meta, Microsoft, NVIDIA, and Roblox are all creating their own interpretations or visions of the metaverse. Uh, and we shouldn't forget games maker Epic is likely to be a leading contender in the field as well, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because uh, it's unreal games engine has already transitioned into the film industry where it's uh, creating amazing real time effects. So the potential of tools like uh, unreal in terms of building virtual spaces is untold. Um, and that's on top of the environments that the company designs and builds itself as well. But despite the influence of these huge titans, the metaverse we're likely to see will probably be a lot more decentralized and distributed in the same way that the internet is today. Which I guess then, in a roundabout way, brings us to interoperability. Um, will I be able to take my money or my items from one space to another? Well, you know, the, this is where it can seem to get complex. But again, that, that's a matter of perception. Um, because when you go back to that same route, this is just the internet, it becomes a lot simpler. On the internet, mm. you have all these different logins for sites and services. You pay for goods in different currencies or tokens. Uh, what currencies and tokens you can use on a particular site um, depends on the partnerships that it has forged, on the agreements that it has made. So those same internet rules are not just going to disappear. We may mm -hmm. see a higher degree of interoperability, or we might choose a specific ecosystem where things are more highly integrated. But again, that's not novel. I mean, think about Amazon. You interact with the company and the third parties that operate on its platforms pretty much seamlessly. And yeah. it's all tied up with Alexa providing that customer interaction and experience layer. Uh, or, you know, another example is the e-wallet apps that are integrating shopping and payment and financial tools, games, entertainment, messaging. Yeah. So those are also 
a potential metaverse model, just as they are a potential future of the web model. So there are always likely to be limits on the degree of interoperability between all these different actors. Uh, as we talked about on a, a recent Weird Science episode, it doesn't make sense to be able to take your items from Call of Duty into Assassin's Creed because it fundamentally breaks the physics of those different worlds. So what groups like the Open Metaverse Alliance are advocating for is the adoption and use of open protocols, you know, kind of like a, a Linux system for the metaverse. So I think we'll see these clusters of interoperability that may be based around companies like Meta uh, or Epic or some of the independent actors. They may be sufficiently interoperable and unified that you could use a single login or a wallet across a chunk of operators, but it would be unlikely that your avatar or specific items would be as easily portable. I find it amazing that it's taken us to the end of the show uh, to get to what the metaverse might look like and, and how we interact with it. Well, that's partly by design because it's something that we get hung up on and it actually contributes to the miscomprehension about what the metaverse is and what it will be because mm. we don't say, you know, what does the internet look like and expect to get a holistic reply. So how would you explain the internet to someone in the 1960s? And that's a rhetorical question, by the way. I'm not putting you on the spot again. Um, you know, in the 1960s, people understood computers, although most had never seen or used one. You know, they were being used publicly in bigger companies. But it would still be hard to explain the internet we have today to them in a few short sentences. Mm. But that's what you know, people expect us to do when we talk about the metaverse. Tell us what it will be and what it will look like. Well, the answer is, as answers often are, a lot more boring. The metaverse itself is going to change and evolve as technology advances and shifts. So if we tell you what it's going to look like, if we tell you today what it's going to look like, that's kind of short selling the potential of the metaverse. Mm. And that's why I left it until the end, because I know explaining it makes it easier for people to visualize it, but visualizing can also serve to limit it because it's hard to visualize the potential of what something can be. That's a cop out. Um, but can we look at some <laughs> of the elements? Is it likely to be um, virtual reality, for example? Well, again, you know, and, and this is a reason for not explaining it in these terms. Um, some metaverse building companies want it to be virtual reality based. Um, mm. Meta owns Oculus, one of the leading VR equipment and experience building companies. Um, but virtual reality is still a long, long way from mainstream acceptance. Um, mm. A lot of people experience physical symptoms like nausea and vertigo when they use it. Now, for some people that happens immediately. For Others, that's after prolonged use. And it's the same with augmented reality glasses. Some people find it hard to focus back and forth between the real world and the digital layers. So talking about the user experience side of the metaverse, the design and the interfacing is a little redundant at this point because nobody has nailed it yet. Right. You know, when we see these kind of slick CGI filled videos that for some reason are always using holograms, um, something that we will probably never perfect a technology for. The reality is that most people won't want to rely on a clunky VR rig just to access 
the internet. And it's the same kind of issue with smart glasses. Smart glasses fall down because people don't like wearing glasses. You know, when you design technology, you have to look at the world. You have to look at the choices people make for the way they navigate it. And the classic example there is glasses and contact lenses. Contact lenses are more expensive in the long run. They're a lot more invasive. They create more waste, but people still choose them over glasses because they don't like wearing glasses. They don't like the way they look when they wear them. Mm. Um, where I think there's probably more agreement, so I'm not trying to cop out, as you said <laughs> earlier, um, where I think there is more agreement is that voice is going to play a much greater role in controlling the user experience in the metaverse because voice control is efficient. It's user-friendly. I know it's not ideal in every environment, but a lot of workspaces have become actually unnaturally quiet because we've pushed voice to the background. You know, our workflow is now mouse, keyboard, instant message. If you work in an office, compare the noise of your workspace to the noise of the places you go out for lunch in, the places mm. where there's conversation and laughter, maybe occasionally shouting. I mean, I know I'm, I'm veering off topic again, um, and I've overrun as usual. So next week, we'll look more closely at what companies are actually trying to create in the metaverse. And we'll look at some of the more socio-political aspects. So will China have a firewalled metaverse, for example? But coming back to that central point for today, don't overthink what the metaverse is, because that story hasn't been written yet. Just try and simplify it. Think of it more as just the next evolution of the internet. Great. Thanks for that, Matt. My now, of course, Simples. where can people find out? Simple, yeah. Where can people find out more information? And if they miss any part of this show, what can they do? Uh, they can, well, they can come to come and find it on the uh, BFM app uh, or download podcasts wherever they get their podcasts from, or they can come and check out my website, uh, culturepop.com, uh, or subscribe to my Substack newsletter, which is culturepop.substack.com. I'm going to end the show this week because I let Matt do it last week, so I'm going to do it today. Thank you very much, Matt, for joining us this after this morning. Oh, my word. Well, I don't know what's wrong with me right now. Uh, of course, on behalf of Matt Armitage and his Metaverse story, my name is Rich Bradbury here on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.